Good morning, everyone. Well, here we are in Genesis 15. Hey, before we get started, I want to say that understanding this chapter is one of the most important understandings in Scripture. Um, a lot of things are going to be tied together today. This will, won't be one of the 10 or 12-minute uh, audios as we go through a chapter. This one's probably going to take a little longer. I don't know exactly how long. We'll find out. But I would say you need to make sure you, you have some time to listen to this podcast. And I will take us to some other passages in the New Testament. If you have your Bible, uh, that will be helpful as well. Uh, a very important understanding today. So, hey, before we get started in 15, I want to go back to Genesis 12 briefly and just remind you that God appeared to Abram and he made a unilateral promise he began to make a unilateral covenant, meaning God was just going to promise this regardless. And he made this to Abram, and he said that, I want you to go go from your land, this is verse 1 of chapter 12, from your kin, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham, God was going to begin to start his family with Abraham. And he wanted to bless Abraham and then have Abraham bless everyone around him as they would see the blessing that was on Abraham's family. So uh, he's going to make him a nation. He's going to give him land and he's going to bless him. This is known as the promise. This is... When you see the promise in the Bible, the promise is that God is going to bless Abraham with the land of Israel. He's going to bless him with a family, and then he's going to bless the nations around him because of the blessing that was on Abraham. That's the promise. When you see promise, that's what you should think of. Now, in in Genesis 15, we have essentially a reiteration of that promise, of that covenant that God was making with Abram, but it gets a little bit more specific and something else is added to it that is very significant and interesting. So it, recall, it, it, you might remember just from the scriptures, we really haven't seen this yet, but we're going to begin to see it today, that Abraham and Sarah were barren and she didn't have, they didn't have any children and yet God is promising them this family and many descendants will see that today, even though they still don't have children from Sarah's womb. So after Abram rescues Lot, and, you know, it's interesting because you'd think that, hey, he won a battle. You would think the surrounding armies that Abram won Lot back with, maybe, who knows, they're going to rise up and come against Abram, right? So after these things, after he wins that battle and rescues Lot, the word of Yahweh came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And I would imagine that was comforting, uh, knowing what had just taken place, that God was going to watch out for Abram. And indeed he was, because God promised Abram this family. He promised Abram this land. But Abram's beginning to wonder, you know, how is this going to happen? Because 
him and Sarah are barren. So Abram said, O Lord Yahweh, what will you give me as I go on being childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no seed to me, behold, one born in my house is my heir. And Abram's thinking about taking things into his own hands here. This is not through Hagar as you might think of that at one time Sarah later and Abram took things into their own hands and and Abram got his maidservant Hagar pregnant, which was not the right thing to do. But, you know, God allowed it. And But in this particular case, he was thinking about making someone in his household like like a, a, a servant um, and have that male servant have children and maybe that'll be how God's going to fulfill this promise because him and Sarah just don't have ch- children. And and uh, then verse 4, Then behold, the word of Yahweh came to him, saying, This one will not be your heir. So Eliezer of Damascus is not going to do this for you. But one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. Now imagine this. Abram and Sarah are barren. And God is going to bring Abram outside. And imagining it's it's dark out right now when this happens. And he says, now look toward the heavens and number the stars if you are able to number them. And just picture looking up at the sky and on a night when all the stars are out. And I got to imagine on this night they were. And you just see a multitude of stars and, I mean, just a vastness beyond all comparison. And then God said to him, so shall your seed be. (laughs) Can you imagine that promise? You're barren, but if you look up at that sky, one day you're going to have a family as as large as the stars are in the sky. Unbelievable. So this next verse is a very significant verse in the scriptures. Genesis 15, verse 6. And it's referring to Abraham. So Abram looks up at the sky. God promises, "So so your seed shall be as the sky. Then he, Abram. Then he believed in Yahweh. He actually believed that that promise. He believed that God was going to do that, which is remarkable to think for a barren family that God would do that. But it says he believed. And he, capital he, God, counted it to Abram as righteousness. So basically, because Abram believed that God would fulfill the promise that he gave him to give him the land and to give him as many family as the stars are in the sky. Because he believed, it was counted to Abram. It was reckoned to Abram as righteousness. Basically, Abram was given right standing with God. He was given righteousness. He was justified. He was made right before God, even though he was an imperfect being. In fact, you know, we saw him lie to the Egyptian pharaoh. We're going to see in the chapters to come where even though he believed at this point, um, he takes matters into his own hand through his maidservant, um, Hagar. But because Abram believed, he was given righteousness. He was justified by God. He was given right standing by God because he believed. And, And God said to him, I am Yahweh, verse 7, who brought you out of Ur, that was where he was in Iraq, of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess it. And he said, O Lord Yahweh, 
How may I know? This is Abram questioning God. How will I know that I will possess it? So then what we have is we have a story of Abram making an offering and a sacrifice and God doing a a sign in the midst of this sacrifice. But what I want you to know is in this re, re, in, uh, renewing of the covenant that was made in chapter 12, there's an offering and there's a sacrifice. When God is going to make a covenant, he typically does it with a blood offering, with a sacrifice, and he does that so here with, with Abram. And on verse 18, just kind of fast-forwarding, it says, On that day Yahweh cut a covenant with Abram, saying, To your seed I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the river, the great river of the Euphrates. So God gives him this land and makes this promise. It a, becomes a covenant, and this is known, and it's important to know this, this is known as the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. Now, another thing that's important to know is so, you know, from Abraham, we're going to get Isaac, Isaac, Jacob. They're going to go, and, and this is prophesied in this chapter, by the way. You can read that on your own. But that they're going to end up, um, because of a drought, going back to Egypt and then spending several hundred years in Egypt. And God foretells in this chapter that one day he's going to bring them out of Egypt and he's going to get them into Israel, into the promised land where their family can continue to multiply there. As you might recall, and we'll see this in the chapters to come, I mean, the the Israelites, even though they go to Egypt, they end up um, multiplying significantly in Egypt. So that was part of God's plan to save Israel, Abraham's family, from the drought. He took them to Egypt, but he sent Joseph there ahead of time. We'll see this all in the weeks to come. But God multiplied them greatly. And in fact, they even plundered great wealth from the Egyptians before then they entered the, the desert through the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea and then eventually into the Promised Land. But by the time they came into the Promised Land, they had multiplied greatly just as God had foretold. And, uh, you know, what God says he's going to do, he's going to do. So it's pretty amazing. But, okay, the other thing is, and so now we got like a little bit of the timeline here that this happened to Abraham's family. Well, who led them out of? Egypt and in the desert, that was Moses, right? And while Moses was in the desert, that's when God called Moses up to Mount Sinai and he gave him what was known as the law, right? And that was what's known as the Mosaic Covenant. Well, that happened much later, right? We've got to go through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, many years in Egypt, and then the leaving, uh, departing from Egypt to the desert. So, that's that's like 480 years later is when this happened. And that's when we got the Mosaic Covenant and we got the law. So the important thing to know here is that before the law ever came, before the Mosaic Covenant ever came, which lasted a long time, all the way up into the days of Jesus, but prior to that, there was the Abrahamic Covenant, which happened earlier where God made this promise and where Abraham was reckoned righteous by faith before there ever was a law. Now, in addition, in the chapters to come, a couple chapters from now, I believe three, maybe two actually, Abram's going to get, it. God's going to say that for my family, now that you've become my family, one way that you'll show that you're part of my family is that you'll circumcise the, the boys, will get circumcised. 
And that's going to show that you are part of my family. But what is also important to know about that is this promise to Abraham to give him the land and this promise that he's going to have as many children as the stars in the sky came before that even. So this was a unilateral Abrahamic covenant, a unilateral promise by God. And it happened all before the law and even before circumcision. And, and Abraham was made right by God through faith. And this is in the, one of the very earliest covenants we have in the scriptures. And we, have, we already had the, the Noahic covenant that he's not going to flood the earth again, which is quite comforting. But here's the, uh, the Abrahamic covenant. All right, now, to really understand the significance of this, there's two chapters uh, and, and others, you know, that focus on this. But the two main ones, it will begin in Romans 4 and Galatians 3. We're going to take a, quite a bit of a look at the entire chapter of Romans 4 here. I might fast forward some, but listen to what it says then um, in Romans 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Now, very important when you see works. Uh, a lot of times when we think of works, we think of good works, doing good things. That at times can be what the Bible is referring to. In the book of James, um, when it, you hear the, the works, that's that kind of works, doing good. But many times in the scriptures, New Testament this is, when you hear about works, what they're talking about, and you'll see this spelled out here, is it's talking about works of the law. There were, when Moses later on, right, got the law from God, there were 613 laws that were given. And in order to honor God, you would follow those laws. One of those laws would be the sacrificial system, you know, the Sabbath, um, just all kinds of laws, right? Not eating you know, pork and all the cleansing laws, all kinds of things that people would follow in the Old Testament. And if you, you were to try to honor those, to, to honor God, you would try to follow the laws that he had in place. But what, so when we see works here in chapter four of Romans, what it's saying is, no, it's not that I don't want you to do good things. It's talking about, are you made right today? in this day of the gospel, in this day of Jesus, are you made right today by doing works of the law? Are you made right by Sabbath keeping? Are you made right by not eating pork and shrimp? Are you made right by bringing sacrifices to the temple? Um, that kind of a thing. That's what's being referred to. So it says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And now what's going to be quoted? is Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed the promise of God, and because he believed this promise, Abram was reckoned or counted as righteous. He was seen as righteous before God. Now, verse 4. Now to the one who works, and this is now works of the law, his wage is not counted according to grace. Because we live in a day of grace now. We believe that we're going to heaven, right, based on faith in Jesus and the fact that God has given us his grace. And that's not exactly how it worked under the law. Uh, so not, now to the one who works, his wage is not counted according to grace, but according to what is due. 
meaning follow the law. But to the one who does not work, so the one who isn't trying to get to heaven through works of the law, but believes upon him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And isn't that what we're taught and what we believe today? That if you believe in Jesus, who justifies, makes right, makes righteous the ungodly, his faith, that person's faith is counted as righteousness. So we're seen as being right or righteous before God because of faith in Jesus Christ, right? And not through works of the law. And then it says, just as verse six, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God counts as righteous apart from works. Now, so far we haven't seen it say works of the law, it just said works. And that's why a lot of believers get confused and, and think that we're talking about earning our salvation through doing good things. And that's not really what's being taught here. So listen to this. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And he's quoting Old Testament there uh, in the life of David um, from Psalm 31 and 32 there. But let's keep going. I want to stick to this main point. Therefore, is this blessing on the circumcised? Now, why would that matter? Who, when was Abraham's family circumcised? After he was counted righteous by his faith, not before, right? So what the case is being made here, well, do we have to become a Jew? Because remember, Jews were known by being circumcised. They, they, they became circumcised to become part of Israel. So the case is being made, well, maybe then the blessing of God is only for Israel, and it's only on people who have been circumcised into the family of God, therefore signifying they're part of Israel. But the point's being made here, no, the blessing that was given to Abraham was given before there was even circumcision, and Abraham was made right because he believed the promise of God. He was made righteous that way. So, therefore, is this blessing on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? Now, who would be considered uncircumcised in biblical days? Gentiles, people who are non-Israelite, people like you and I, they would be considered uncircumcised. And, and what it's saying is this blessing, is it on the circumcised only, only on the Jews, or on the uncircumcised, on the Gentiles, everyone else also? For we say, and now it's quoting that Genesis fifteen six again, for we say faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness, right? Abraham was made righteous by faith. How then was it counted? How then did Abraham receive this righteousness? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? You see the point that's being made here? Abraham was made right by faith even before he got the law of circumcision. So he was counted right while he was uncircumcised because he believed so it says, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while uncircumcised, meaning he was made right ahead of time before circumcision so that he might be the father of all. Now, oh man, we're getting into a big word here. So that he might be the father of all. Do you remember the promise that Abraham was given by God? that? I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a family as, as many as stars are in the sky. And I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing and so that the nations will be blessed because of you. Do you see what's being said here? 
so that he might be the father of all. So Abraham was originally the father of the Israelites. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's name got changed to Israel. That became the Israelites, Abraham's family. But now what it's saying is he's the father of all who believe without being circumcised, the righteousness that might be counted to them and the father of the circumcised to those who not only are of the circumcision, Jews, but now also who follow in the steps of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. What was the faith of our father Abraham while he was uncircumcised? Well, you should know by now, that's Genesis fifteen six. Abraham believed and he was counted righteousness before he was ever circumcised. And now that blessing, that promise that Abraham would be blessed and that he would be a blessing to the nations, guess what, church? As we're learning here now, that's coming to all of us who have the same faith as Abraham. And as a result of having faith like Abraham, we are now counted righteous like Abraham was counted righteous. And it doesn't have anything to do with the law anymore, the law of the Mosaic Covenant, because Abraham was made right before that covenant ever came into be. That's what's happening here. And basically, as Abraham began the family of God, now through faith in Jesus, you have been brought into that family blessing. You are now the family of God. You are now part of Abraham's family because you have the same faith that credits righteousness that Abraham had. That's what's being said. Let's keep going. For the promise, what's the promise? The promise that I'm going to make you as many stars are in the sky and that I'm going to bless you and bless the nations and I'm going to give you that land. For the promise to Abraham or to his seed that he would be the heir of the world, that's us, was not through the law. Remember, that came before the law but through the righteousness of faith. It came because Abraham believed and was made righteous. For if those who are of the law, Jews, are heirs, faith has been made empty and the promise has been abolished. See, even now you can't get to heaven through the law anymore. You can only get to heaven through faith. For the law brings about wrath. The law showed us that we couldn't live to it. The law showed us that we we just could not live to the law, and therefore we always felt like we were under condemnation. But where there is no law, there is also no trespass. Do You see, now we don't try to earn our way to heaven through works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. For this reason, verse 16, it is by faith, in order that it may be according to grace, right, the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, so that the promise, remember the promise, Genesis 12, that I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you a family. You're going to be a blessing to the nations so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the seed. Who's all church? That's Jew or Gentile who now believes in Jesus. Now that all of us have been given that promise, not only to those who are under the law, the former Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. See, we've all been brought into the family of God. Isn't this awesome? As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him who believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist, in hope against hope, now we're talking about Abraham, in hope against hope, he believed, Abraham believed, so that he may might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so, so shall your seed be. Remember, God promised him, you're going to have his family as big as the nations. Guess what? God has fulfilled it. That's us. That's the church now. That's everyone who believes in Jesus. 
And without becoming weak in faith, he cont contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Sarah, Abraham was about 100 years old when he finally got a child. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God. What's the promise? Genesis 12, that he's going to bless him and make a nation from him, give him the land, give him as many family as stars in the sky. But he did not waver in unbelief, Abraham, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. I really hope you're following in the scriptures, but maybe you're in the car or something like that, and hopefully you can still follow. And being fully assured that what God had promised, we've talked about that over and over, he was able also to do, meaning Abraham trusted that promise that God gave him. Therefore, it was also counted to him as righteous. Again, it's repeating this, that in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed and was given righteous, given righteousness, right standing. He was justified before God, made right before God. Now, verse 23, not for his sake only was it written that it was counted to him. Now, this is really important. It's not just for Abraham's sake that it was counted to him as righteousness, but for our sake also, to whom it will be counted as those who believe upon him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over on account of our transgressions and was raised on account for our justification. See, now we are made righteous by faith in Jesus because Jesus took our sin on that cross. He was raised from the dead. He now is the one who justifies us before God because of our faith in him. And just as Abraham was made right through faith, now today anyone in the world who comes to faith in Jesus is made right, is given righteousness, right standing through faith in Jesus, just like Abraham. And you don't have to become a Jew and you don't have to go through the law in order to do it because Abraham was made right before the law ever existed. Wow, hallelujah, amen. If you haven't grasped that truth in the past, I hope you saw it today. What a what a beautiful passage and important teaching in our scriptures. Now, to do this justice, we really should go to Galatians chapter 3. It, it honestly is going to be similar to what we've learned, but it, it's so important. Now, in the book of Galatians, some of these folks that had come to Christ in Galatia were now trying to go back to continuing to follow the law and even trying to convince Gentiles and other people in the area, hey, even though we've come to faith in Jesus, we should still follow this law stuff. In fact, you really need to. You need to follow the law. In fact, you really should get circumcised first, even if you want to come to faith in Jesus, because that's what we've always done as Jews. So they're kind of getting mixed up. They're, they're starting to sprinkle back in Jewish practices into their Christian faith. And in Galatians chapter 3, Paul comes on very strongly and says, O foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? <laughs> wow. Before though, whose eyes Jesus Christ was public, publicly portrayed as crucified. Listen, Paul is coming on really strong here. This is the only thing I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Now, when do we receive the Spirit? When we believe in Jesus, we become born again and we receive the Spirit of God. Now this says, this is the only thing I want to learn. He's asking from you, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Did you become born again by doing the Old Testament practices of the works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Did you hear the gospel and have faith in it? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, 
Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you trying to go back to the old way even after you've received the Spirit? Are you trying to mix back in and do it the old way? Did you suffer so many things for nothing, if indeed it was for nothing? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Does Jesus do what he's done in your life by the law or does he do it because you've had faith in him? Now, we go back, look at, just like we've been talking about all along in Genesis 15, uh, 6, and this happens to be Galatians 3, 6, kind of appropriate. It uses uh, the same verse number in here. Just as Abram believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, so now that those who are of faith, those are the sons of Abraham. Anyone who believes in Jesus is now the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the gospel beforehand to Abraham. It's like Abraham received the gospel essentially way back in Genesis 15, 6, and even in Genesis 12, because here Genesis 12 comes in to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. That's us now. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law. See, this is not talking about good works. We so many times talk about good works. Oh, we're not saved by our works. And we think we're talking about good works. And it's not even talking about that. It's talking about going back to the Jewish practices of works of the law. Now, we're not saved by good works either. But when you see works of the law, you can't substitute good works. We're supposed to do good works today because of faith in Jesus Christ. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about works of the law. And so many believers are confused about this. And man, we got to learn our Bibles. For as many as are of works of the law are under a curse. Meaning if you try to go back to getting saved by following works of the law, Old Testament Jewish practices, you're not going to get there. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. I mean, if you're going to try to get to heaven by doing works of the law, good luck. You won't be able to do it. No one's ever done it. I guess you could say except Jesus Christ. He's the only one who is perfect. And that's why he's the only one who was able to take our sin. Because he was the perfect, blameless lamb of God. Now, verse 11. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous shall live by faith. That's how we get saved today, by faith. However, the law is not of faith. Rather, he who does them shall live by them. Christ, now listen to this. This is so clear. Christ redeemed us by going to the cross, taking our sin on that cross. Christ redeemed us from the curse. See, now this goes back, and I don't think we're going to do all this today, but this goes back to the covenant of blessings and curses. Remember when, and if not, you'll learn this through me as we go through the, the Bible, but in Deuteronomy, when they're being reminded before they enter the promised land of the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the law covenant, they were reminded if they follow the law, they're going to be blessed. But if they don't follow the law, they're going to be cursed. And they didn't follow, right? God's people didn't follow. So if there, if it was a covenant of blessings and curses, as we'll learn in Deuteronomy, what would be on them for not following the law? Not the blessing because they didn't follow. The curse, right? So basically people were living kind of like under the bondage, the curse, the penalty 
of not being law followers. They weren't able to follow the law rightly. But listen to what it says here. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So that curse that God foreordained for people who who didn't follow the law well, Christ redeemed us from that, having become a curse for us. See, Jesus took the curse of mankind's failure to live for God, man's sinfulness, God put it on his son and Jesus took it on that cross. But then he had victory over that curse by rising from the dead. And now everyone who believes in Jesus is made right because Jesus took what was wrong and our penalty on that cross. Hallelujah. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, that Abraham was made right by God, righteousness by faith, might come to the Gentiles, us, so that we would receive the promise. What's the promise? I'm going to be, I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing. And and now we've been given that promise to be part of God's family. How did we get it? The promise of the Spirit through faith. Brothers, I speak in human terms, even though it only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now, this is very important. It's going back to the sequencing and the ordering again of what happened back in the Old Testament, what we've been learning today in Genesis 15. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and into his seed. And he does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed. That is Christ. Ultimately, Christ is the family of God that has been grafted back into this Abraham family. Now, verse 17, and that, and what am I saying is this. This is very important. I've already taught this, but it's t- teaching it in very specific terms today. And what I am saying is this, Paul says, the law, which came 430 years later, the law came 430 years after Abraham was made right by faith. Okay? The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God. God made that covenant with Abraham before the law, 430 years later. And even though the law came, it didn't nullify the covenant that God made with Abraham first, so as to abolish the promise, meaning then that promise that God gave Abraham to bless him and that his family would be blessed and that they would be a blessing to many nations. It, it The law didn't abolish that promise. For if the inheritance is by the law, meaning that I'm going to give you that land and I'm going to bless you, it is no longer by promise, but God granted to Abraham through promise. That's why we understand. We have to understand what this word promise means. That was that Abraham was promised the land, that he was promised he'd be blessed with a child and many descendants, and that he would be a blessing. The law did not nullify that promise that God made to Abraham. Why the law then? Someone may ask, well, why did we go through this season of the law? Why did we go through, you know, having to follow God by obeying the sacrificial system and all the laws? It was added because of trespasses, having been ordained through angels by the hand of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Meaning, That promise really ultimately, Abraham's promise was ultimately going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ and even through us. Now, a mediator is not for one person only where God is one. 
Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Is the law contrary to the promise of God? No, it may it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed be by law. If you could have been made righteous by law, I guess we would have, but that's not the case. But the scripture, and here we get that same shut up that we that I talk about, and it's it's just a better translation. This is like now this is the no, this is the New Testament version. Being shut up, meaning like caught up in a net. Caught up in a net. But the scripture has shut up, caught everyone under sin, shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. See, so today, because the law was given, if we didn't have the faith of Abraham, and if we don't have now the faith in Jesus Christ, we are caught up under the curse, under the sin, because we were never able to live under the law of God. We were never able to live perfectly under God. So in a sense, the whole world is caught up in sin and caught up under curse, but God isn't leaving us that way. He said, I've made you a solution. Anyone who will recognize my son and believe in him as Lord and believe that he came and died and rose again, you don't have to be under that curse anymore. Instead, you can be grafted back into the family of Abraham and you can be made right just like Abraham was made right through faith in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you are made righteous. You will stand before me saved, forgiven one day. You are promised eternal life and you are saved from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. But that's why, church, you have to come to faith in Jesus Christ because if you don't come into faith in Jesus Christ, you were under the penalty of sin and you were under the curse of not living up to God's standard. God doesn't want it that way, though. He, he came and sent Jesus so all who believe in him can be saved. Hallelujah. But before faith came, verse 23 of Galatians 3, we were held in custody under the law, being shut up for the coming faith to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor unto Christ. See, once we recognize, man, I am a sinner and I can't live to the standard of the law, it teaches us, man, we desperately need a solution. And hallelujah, God gave us one through Jesus Christ. Therefore, the law has become our tutor unto Christ so that we may be justified by faith. In a sense, the law is teaching us that we need Jesus. But now that faith has come, now that we have faith in Christ, we are no longer under a tutor. We are no longer under the law anymore. We're no longer under the curse anymore. We don't need the law anymore because we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For all who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You've clothed yourself with his righteousness. He now sees you right because of faith in Jesus. And it doesn't matter what your your past was. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. You know, when, when people say the Bible, you know, speaks poorly of slaves, it's saying right here, it doesn't matter who you are. You all can have salvation through Jesus Christ, whether Jew or Greek, slave, slave or free, male or female, doesn't matter. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We're all one in Christ. We've all been made right the same way. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. 
Oh my goodness, this is so rich and so good. Meaning we are a child of God and we've been brought into the promise of God that I'm going to bless my family and I want them to be a blessing to the nations. We have been brought into that promise. Hallelujah. So listen, this is one of the the greatest teachings in all of scripture to understand Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Romans 4, Galatians 3. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, not through works of the law. We are made right by faith in him, just the way Abraham was. So my question to anyone listening is, have you been made right by faith in Jesus Christ? I want to give you a, a loving warning. You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to repent of your sin and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe it that you died, that you rose again. And that is the only way to be made right. I believe in you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. Listen, I encourage you to give your life to Jesus, to to, to tell him that you believe in him. And if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are made right. You're not under the curse of the law anymore. You can know that you're going to heaven, that you have eternity waiting for you, and that you have been forgiven of your sin. And not only that, You're going to receive the Spirit of God to help you to live a life that will be a blessing to others, and God will be a blessing to you. Oh, how important it is. Have you given your life to Jesus? If you haven't, you can do it now. Just tell him, Jesus, I now understand that I am a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Pray this with me, that my sin separates me from you. Go ahead and pray it with me. But I have come to understand. I've come to understand. Pray it with me. That Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that he rose from the dead and that he bore my sin on that cross. And I thank you, Jesus, that now I can be made right because of what you've done, that you have forgiven my sin and made me right and made me part of the family of God. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Help me now. To live for you. Help me now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may live to honor you, that I may live what's called the born again life, a new life in your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, please give your life to Jesus. What a glorious thing to have the righteousness of God, the promise that we're his child and that we are right before him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.